You're listening to Mapleview Community Church Podcast. Last week, if you guys remember back, I know it was a long week, John taught us a little bit about sailing. And he taught us some of the physics and how the sail works and when the wind catches a sail and all the other things and the telltales and how to navigate the wind. So this week, I'm going to be tagging along that imagery a little bit, talking about sailing. Um, so by the end of this, we should be perfect sailors. Okay, we should all be able to go out and sail a sailboat. We should get across Link Simcoe. Uh, there is a test at the end of this. So if you guys are taking notes, make sure you're ready to rock and roll. I'm kidding. There's no test. But we're ready to dive in. And the passage that we're looking at this morning is out of Acts 1. Uh, verses 4 through 8. So I'm going to read this really quick. If you have your Bible, if not, it's up there, and we're ready to rock and roll. Jesus says this, On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set out by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for the message that you've put on my heart. And Father, I pray that you would speak through me this morning, that no matter what words I've prepared here, ultimately it is your spirit who is speaking to the hearts of those listening. Father, I pray that your word would convict us. I pray your word would remind us of your goodness and that we'd walk out of here encouraged, strengthened, and ready to face our week ahead. Jesus, I thank you. And I don't take this moment lightly at all. In your mighty name, amen. Amen. So this morning, I'm going to be talking about catching the wind. My goal here in these next few moments is to address an important thing that Jesus asks of his followers. And that is something that truthfully, church, I don't think our culture is very comfortable with. And he, because he's asking them to wait. I don't think we like to wait very well. This kind of waiting, though, is not going to be passive, okay, but it's actually active. I hope to give you all a reminder, helpful tips to navigate those waiting seasons with a deeper sense of purpose, determination, and rather than feeling discouraged when you're being asked to wait, I hope this morning you feel encouraged. Okay, I'm asked to wait. You know what? I feel a little more equipped, ready to tackle that waiting season. You see, all of us have a deep desire, whether or not we know it, to have a life with purpose and impact. So being asked to wait can be hard because while you're waiting, it actually feels like you're not really achieving anything. And I'll recall this later, but achieving or doing, we always like to do things. When I was in Bible college, I had a mentor who gave us a big binder of paperwork. Um, and it's no coincidence that his last name was Ferguson either. It's not my dad, but his name is also Robert, which is also my dad's name. Anyways, 
Uh, I, I know the irony. And he would meet with lots of students, and he would give these paperworks, and half the time the paperwork that he assigned us was really what was the thing teaching us, and he would then recall it. But one specific piece of paper he had us working on was uh, this imagery of a farmer. Uh, I know some of you maybe are farmers in this room, so you maybe or have family who are farmers, so you might understand this. But in each season, he had me go through and articulate what are the job roles, the tasks, the chores that I must do each season. And at first, the blank slate was, okay, I'm doing this. If I'm a dairy farmer, I'm milking my cows every morning. Or if I have livestock, I'm feeding them every day. No matter what season, that was a continual thing. Every season, every day, I was doing the same thing. But then there was also season-specific chores, like fertilizing the crops or harvesting the crops. Or maybe in the wintertime, you're plowing your driveway. Whatever it might be, there are season-specific tasks and chores in the same way that there are consistent chores that happen throughout the day. And so I was a little confused because I was like, I'm in Bible college and you're having me learn about agriculture? Like, how does this make any sense? So I went up to him afterwards and I said, hey, what's the point? Like, why are we doing this? And here's the kicker this morning, church. And this is what he pointed out to me. He said, this is the same for our lives today. There's some seasons that are cold, wet, and depressing. And then there's others bursting with life, energy, and fun, and exciting. And then there's also just simply transition seasons. But it's important to know what season you are currently in to know what season you will be heading into. But then there's also things that no matter what season, high, low, dark, cold, you do the same thing day in, day out. For us, that in our, in our own life, that looks like trying to meet with him regularly, whatever that looks like. That doesn't change. No matter if, you are having, if you're on fire for the Lord, that should not change. If you are having a really hard time being on fire for the Lord because you're not hearing anything and you feel like you're in a desert season, there's still the intentionality that we should meet with him as regularly as possible. So church, understanding what season you're in now helps to prepare you for what you will be going into in the next season. And church, if I may so boldly proclaim this, I believe we are in a season as a church where we are about to catch the Holy Spirit in a powerful way. Yet we cannot walk into that season without doing anything. We must prepare. We must. A brief story, a little intro to my message here is, when I was growing up, we had a cottage in Michigan, and my grandpa was an avid sailor. Not one of those big sailboats, just a small average size, size sailboat. Uh, and it was amazing. I remember coming into our cottage and I could see the shoreline from the road. And I would, I would know if my grandpa was there by the fact if I saw this cute little yellow sailboat sitting in the water. And I'd get all excited and we'd run inside and I'd say, Grandpa, when are we going sailing? When are we doing this? And then he would take me out sailing. And it, <laughs> I love this because I'm probably like seven, eight years old at the time. And I couldn't just go out for an enjoyable cruise. No, my grandpa put me to work. He was like, if you're coming with me, you're going to be my little hand. You're going to help me pull tight lines. You're going to do all this stuff so we can be as efficient as possible. And so some days we're out there and we're just ripping across the lake. We're having a blast. It's so much fun. And before I continue, I'm going to teach you guys some sailing terminology, okay? So the first word that will be on the vocabulary test at the end of this is healing. Not H-E-A-L, it's H-E-E-L. Healing is what happens when the, when the wind is like 
it's, the sail is full of wind. It's fully powerful. You're like, you're, you're going really, really fast. It's what John talked about with using the telltales. That's how you know when, when you actually see the, the other opposite side being stretched out, you are going to be in that spot where you are healing. You are going to be going. You're ripping, whew, ripping across the wake. Ooh, ripping across the lake. You're cutting through the waves, water splashing up. It's exhilarating. In fact, it's so powerful that you actually have to lean against the boat. So um, I, has anyone seen Charlie St. Cloud? It's a sailing movie. Uh, maybe not. There's a scene where he kind of leans over the boat. His name is Zac Efron's the main character. And he goes, woohoo! Like he screams because he's just having a blast. And that is what, that's what happens when you're healing. When you're healing, it's like the most adrenaline uh, pumping excitement you'll, you're ever going to have while you're sailing. That's probably the only reason why you should go sailing, truthfully. Uh, and so you're, you're, able, you're in the zone. You're in the power zone. You're just ripping and roaring across the lake. And so there'd be moments when me and my grandpa would be out there and we were, we'd get in that space. And I remember the first time experiencing that. So worried we were going to flip over. I'm like, Grandpa, there's water like splashing into the boat on the other side. You're like looking down. You're like, what? And, um, and then all of a sudden it would stop. And you're like, what the heck? What happened? We were on our tack, which is the line of direction. We were, we were doing that. Everything was lined up. It should all work out. But the thing that drives us, the power behind what drives sailing is the wind. And the wind shifted. The wind changed. And so there, me and my grandpa were wondering, okay, what's going on? The wind is, is pushing the sail in a weird way. It's not, we're not moving anywhere. We can't even find the wind. So you're, you're adjusting lines. You're trying to find the spot. You're trying to find how the wind is going to catch you to keep moving or else you're going to be stuck in the middle of the lake. And then I learned to sail for myself. And all I wanted to do was just to heal. I was like, I'm powering through, doing all this. But, but you can't. You can't. If you just assume that you're going to start right there, then you're already going to be not going anywhere. So before I get ahead of myself, let's look back into the text here. Imagine this with me, if you will. You're one of the disciples. How's, how does this make any sense? You've just, you've just been with Jesus post-resurrection. Okay, you've gone through the highs and lows. You're living with him for three years. Woohoo! yeah, wait, you're going to die on the cross? What? You should, no, no, you're supposed to be the Messiah. And then he dies, and then oh, there's this sorrow, there's sadness. And then three days later, he rises again, and he's living with us, and he's amongst us. And then you're fired up because you're like, I've just witnessed a living miracle. This guy's been dead for three days, and now he's here and now with us. I'm fired up. You're doing it for 40 days. And Jesus says, hey, I'm actually going to ask you guys to wait. Before you go out into the ends of the earth and you go make disciples, I'm asking you to wait. Imagine the conversation kind of playing out something like this. But Jesus, we're amped up. We're so fired. This is going to be easy. This is going to be a breeze. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Wait. No, 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 no. We got to go. Like, I'm on fire. Let's, let's get this thing rolling. Let's get this party started. I got a plan. I'm sending you someone who will help you. So wait. Come on, man. We don't need any help. We have got this in the bag. Wait. <laughs> I don't want to wait. But church, this brings into the light the tension that I want to focus on this morning. On one side, we're jacked up. We're on fire for the Lord. We're ready to make his name known amongst the world. And on the other side, there's Jesus 
They're sitting, hey, I know you're excited. I know you're gonna do amazing things, but I need you to wait. I need you to wait for me. And this is something I think we can learn or be reminded of today from this whole interaction with Jesus on how the disciples respond. You see in Acts 1, a few verses later, we see them gathering together and praying constantly. And Jesus clearly had something in mind when he was asking them to give it time. Maybe they just needed to check their hearts. In that time, between Jesus and the gift the Father was going to give, there was work that the Lord knew that they needed to have done on themselves. And in the waiting time, these disciples and others would have time to evaluate and think through some of this stuff. Rather than being swooped up by their excitement and running on their adrenaline, thinking that they're going to spread the gospel all throughout the world just on excitement and adrenaline alone. Oh, God knew what he was doing. So before we go, go any further, let's define active waiting. What does this truly look like? How are we to know when we're actively waiting? Just as when you're in the middle of the lake and you can't seem to find the wind, you're maneuvering around the boat, you're getting everything ready, you're loosening lines, resetting things, releasing the lines, moving the rudder, trying to do whatever you can to read the wind. You're thinking through your attack, your, your approach, your lines, all those things. And when I was learning to sail, that was the biggest thing for me, was understanding that, okay, one moment I'm in it, the next moment I'm not. I cannot simply sit with the sail tight as possible. It's on the center of the, center of the sailboat in the, in the position that I am when I'm healing because what happens when that gust of wind comes back if I'm in that spot? Well, I'll tell you, church, what happens is your boat flips over. It's called turtling. You will flip the boat over if you, because the wind is so powerful, it will just grab the sail and flip you. So what do you have to do? You have to loosen up. You gotta let the sail read the wind. And as you finally catch that wind, you begin to pull that tighter. Active waiting. And the same, I think, can be said in our lives. We can't live off past revelations. We can't live off past things that we did. We did this once and I felt the move of God moving my life this way. No, instead, we need to reset. We need to reset. We need to come back to God and say, God, I, I'm just going to start praying. God, I'm going I'm to evaluate my heart. I'm going to check myself. In between our exciting times with God, we can't simply sit and wait for the next mountaintop moment. We need to be active in preparing for the wind to catch our sails. Jesus is asking his disciples to wait on the Father to posture themselves and get ready for the gift that he has promised them. This this, and, and what happens is the amazing moment that we know as the day of Pentecost in chapter two. It came when they had postured themselves in the place and in such a way that the spirit would move amongst them in the way in which it did. Church, I'm not saying I know the secret to make this happen because we all know that the spirit moves however it so pleases, just like the wind. But what can we learn about what Jesus is asking of his disciples? Jesus asked them to wait. And their waiting was not passive, but it was active. In their waiting, they are positioning themselves to catch the wind. I believe there are a few reminders that we can be reminded of this morning from these verses that will help us to prepare. 
And the first one might be in your face is who are we here for? Who are we here for? I believe when Jesus asks them to wait, he's wanting to make sure they are ready for what is to come with the right heart, the right motive. It's not about the mighty works that they will do or the recognition, but it's about their heart with God, passionate about Jesus alone. In that time of waiting, there is heart work that is needed to be done. He's letting the dust settle. He's letting the excitement rest. So they may not get carried away thinking that they can do it in their own strength, in their own might. But instead, it will help them to realize that it is by the Lord and the Lord alone that we are able to do these things. <laughs> A personal story about who are we here for. Um, if I can be candid with you guys, pretty transparent this morning and let you guys in on some vulnerabilities. When I was last year, uh, I went up to the cottage where I learned to sail and I had just come through this weird season of feeling so discouraged in my devotional life. I, I was discouraged because I wasn't hearing anything. I was looking for, in my quiet time with the Lord, I was almost looking for, and actually genuinely, I was expecting him to show up. I was expecting him to like speak to me. I was expect, I thought that every time I met with him, I was going to receive either some recognition of his presence, whether that's chills or how, like that clear understanding of like he's here, or I was expecting clear direction on what I need to be doing in ministry or what I might need to be doing in my life. And I would have these moments of feeling so discouraged to the point where it was discouragement after discouragement after discouragement, and I stopped meeting with him. I let my habits slide. I let my intentionality go out the window. And it became, sometimes it just became a task that I did. I lost my heart in it. And I remember sitting there at the lake, and I was praying and trying to, like I was, in, I was on vacation, so I didn't have, I wasn't no time crunch, no timeline. My parents were watching my daughter, so I didn't have to worry about that. And I can remember this moment of just like, I began to, re began to repent. I was like, God, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry that I've based, I'm sorry that I've based my diligence and my discipline on showing up on whether or not you were speaking to me. I'm sorry for taking for granted the fact that I don't even deserve this gift of a relationship that you offer us. I'm sorry for assuming. <laughs> I felt like I just kind of got to the end of that time. And I was like, Lord, I, I want to be totally okay with just being in your presence, sitting at your feet. Whether or not I feel that, whether or not I sense that, I know that when I fix my eyes on you, I'm at your feet based on feel, whether or not I feel it or not. I want to be in your presence. I want my eyes to be fixed on you. You are all that I want, nothing more. And that was what I began to move forward with from that space. It was like, I don't, I don't need to hear from you. Like, would I be okay if I, was, if I just went through a season of silence? I don't know. <laughs> but was my, was my diligence in my meeting with him going to dictate whether or not I heard from him? I didn't want that to be the case. I wanted to make sure that I sat with him no matter what. 
And that's what I mean by who are we here for? Are we here because we want to see the mighty things done through us? Or are we here because we simply just want to be with him? The second point to actively waiting is activate prayer. We see in verses 14 and 15, they met together and they gathered constantly and prayed constantly. Prayer is integral in waiting. Prayer is integral in any relationship. It's just a way of communicating. It is vital. If I don't communicate with my wife, it's not a happy life, you know? Prayer is very important. Part of our preparation is prayer. We need to pray, not for our own desires and ambitions, but the will of the Father. I wish I was better at this step. And I pray often for stuff in my life, which is good, but I don't always take the time to ask what he'd like from me. I don't often take the time to ask him, God, who do you want me to talk to today? I don't often ask, God, who in my world, in my sphere of influence, should I be praying for? I can oftentimes be so selfish in the prayers that I have. I want to make sure that I'm praying for his will. Prayer is integral and is a powerful tool for us to keep our eyes fixed on, on him in our time of preparation. And our third point we have is illuminate. Illuminate. Illuminate the things in our life that maybe we need to work on. Illuminate the things in our lives that we could tweak or adjust or maybe illuminate the things that we need to focus on to go forward in and progress. Illumination. A few years back, Taylor and I went on vacation to her pseudo-grandparents up in uh, Ottawa area, and they have this lake. They had a resort, and they had this lake on the resort, and they had this beautiful, I mean, pristine, beautiful wooden piece of art, a Peterborough canoe, all wood. You can tell its heyday was probably 40 years ago, and we were having a conversation one night around dinner, and they're like, hey, do you want to take it out? And I was like, I'd love to. And they're like, we actually have a sail. Do you know how to sail? I was like, yeah, I know how to sail. And so they pulled it. We pulled everything out of the garage, and we looked it all over, and we're like, okay, this is good. You know, no holes in the sail, so it's clearly sailable. But what you have to do with wooden boats is you actually have to soak it in the water. And what happens is when you soak it in the water, the, the wood expands, and it becomes waterproof, watertight. So I thought. Anyways, so I get out there, I get everything going, and I'm ripping and roaring. I'm having a blast. The wind is taking me down the lake, and I'm, I'm healing. I'm getting those moments of like, yeah, woo, but I didn't want to do it too hard because water would splash in. I was like, oh, this is not a normal sailboat. Okay, so I'm having fun. I get down to the end of the lake, and I have to turn around and sail upwind. I quickly, quickly realized, yo, this sail is not quite of the caliber as my other sailboats that I've grown up sailing on because going upwind is hard even for a novice or is, is for a novice sailor like me, that's hard. But let alone now, your sail is not necessarily the one that's most adequate for upwind sailing. <sighs> Good luck, Chuck. So I began to sail upwind and as I was doing this, I was getting really frustrated because I would turn. There's one moment where I, I it's called coming about. So you go under the mast, mast swings around your head uh, and it's just how you turn, to, and then the wind's on the other side of the boat. And so I let go of the lines because it happens really fast. When the wind hits it, whew. And I let go, I let go, 
And I ducked, and the sail went all the way around because the lines pulled all the way through the pulley. And now I have the sail, the end of the sail, all the way off the nose of the canoe, and I'm at the rear of the canoe. How am I going to get that in? And I'm in the middle of the lake, so I'm like waddling. You guys know when you try to walk in a canoe, it all shakes. So I finally navigated. I grab it. I, put the, I pull the rope back through. I tie it off. And I made sure that, that I put a knot at the end so it wouldn't go back through the pulleys that way. And I get back. I'm like, okay, man, there's one issue. The next thing I'm going, and the, the center boards, like they started coming up at me. I'm like, how are you supposed to sail forward and keep them in the water, which is integral to making sure you go straight, if they're just going to come up? I was like, this makes no sense. So I actually undid it, and I flipped it around. I had to jerry-rig a lot of that stuff. And then I get around to the point. And at this moment, I'm like, I made it. But I'm slowing down. And as I'm slowing down, the water becomes, if this is the canoe, I'm sitting right here. The water is an inch from my bottom. I'm full of water in the canoe. I'm like, I can't get, what am I going to do? Yeah, the waterproof canoe isn't so waterproof. And I get to the point where I'm laying back in the canoe. I'm like laying in the water just to keep my weight off the canoe. And then I got a little closer. And then about four feet, five, four, five feet of water, the canoe, I was standing like this in the water. The water was about here and the canoe was at the bottom of the lake. I was like, oh no. I wish somebody had shown me that, hey, you know, normally it's supposed to have this or normally the rudder is supposed to be like this. And that's, there are things on that canoe that needed to be illuminated to me before I got out there, clearly. Let's just say that was the last time that sailboat has ever touched the water. They put that, they varnished it up, got it looking all pretty, and they put it in the lobby as a piece of art, which is what it was because it's an antique. So that's something that I wish, I wish someone illuminated those areas of that canoe. And in the same way, I, my prayer is that in my prayer life that I, I pray that, Lord, would you illuminate areas in my life that I've neglected, that I've maybe put a back seat on? And would you help me to navigate those, to conquer those, overcome those? Make it clear, Father. And the last thing for active waiting is timing is not on our demand. This might be hard to hear, church, but I think we all know it. God is the one who has the ultimate plan, and his timing is perfect. Whether or not we like it or not is not up to us. God's timing is perfect. It truly is. The thing with us is we often have this mindset of, I want it, and I want it now. I thought, when I wrote that down, I thought of a jingle from a, uh, some commercial from the States um, called J.G. Wentworth, 877 Cash Now. It's like, I want it and I want it now. Like, that's kind of the whole jingle of what it went by. And, man, that's so true. We, we want it and we want it now. But God had an ultimate plan. When he, he knew what he was doing, when he asked them to wait, in a few days I will send my spirit. Here's the catch. In Acts 2, that whole time, there was a command in the Jewish law that anyone who is a Jew must go to Jerusalem for the Feast of Shabbat. I think, it's, well, I think that's how you say it. So God knew that there was going to be a lot of people in Jerusalem. He could have he sent his spirit the next day. 
But would it have had that big of an impact? It eventually would have. But God knew what he was doing at that time because he knew that, you know what? These 120 people that are meeting and praying, praying for me and with me and, and coming together with me, I will outpour my spirit on them and they will begin to speak in tongues. And then all the surrounding people will begin to hear in their own native language. So rather, than, it's become a hub. Jerusalem was just a hub that God knew from the very beginning. This is where I'm going to send my spirit. <laughs> I'm like, man. God, you are good. You knew what you were doing from all along. So with these four points, what are we here for? Activating prayer, illuminate, and timing is not on our demand are just a few ways that we can posture ourselves. We can actively evaluate and remind ourselves to submit as we prepare for what God is wanting us to do. In sailing, things can shift like that. The sailor needs to be ready to pivot, adjust the sails, to get back into the spot of catching the wind. This comes from taking the time to be prepared. Preparation is crucial, is a crucial step in being launched forward. Church, if we want to catch the wind, we need to prepare. We need to actively wait. In the same way, we need to prepare our sails of our lives and our hearts to catch the wind of God. It's funny, I thought John was stealing my message last week. I walked into his office and I was like, you are not talking about sailing. I know you're not talking about sailing because I'm talking about sailing. And then he cleared it up. But John drove home the importance of biblical community and how integral that is in living life with power from the Holy Spirit. And I think it's amazing because it's in that same community where we are actively waiting. It's in that same community that we get to do our preparation. So church, where are we at in this process? Maybe you guys are on a high. You're in, your zen, you're, in the, you're in the power zone. You're like living your best life. Or maybe there's some of you guys that are in a waiting season. Wherever you might find yourself this morning, it's important that we must identify where we're at. I say this to our students often. It's easy to be on fire for Jesus. It's harder to live out that on fire when you don't have all that excitement and adrenaline of everything going around you, like a retreat or a conference. So I try to give them practical takeaways. I try to give them takeaways day in and day out after these retreats to help them keep on fire, keep them focused, keep them determined. And church, I want to give those to you guys this morning as well. Here are a few takeaways that I think relate to whatever season you're in. One, keep your heart in it. Whatever you do, fight discouragement. Keep your heart in it. And the second thing, keep your eyes fixed on the source, the one that we are here for. We need to fight distractions. We need to. They're going to come. Discouragement, distractions are going to come. But if you want to actively wait and wait and posturing ourselves, we need to make sure we fight distractions. We need to fight dis and discouragement keeping our eyes fixed on him. And these two steps will help us to prepare ourselves to catch the wind for whatever and whenever he decides to blow. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. Thank you for each of the people here and those tuning in online with us. God, I pray that we as a church would posture ourselves and prepare to catch the wind, not because what we can achieve through you, but because we want to walk in step with you. We want you to be our source, our provider. May we slow down. May we be okay with learning to wait on the Father 
As we wait and position ourselves in your shadows, may our hearts for you and your people begin to overflow. We need you, Holy Spirit. You are our helper. We are ready, Father. Mapleview Community Church is ready for you to send your wind through this place. We love you, and may your will be done in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You're listening to Mapleview Community Church Podcast. 